you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, August 12th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we recap another Orioles loss that makes it seven in a row that the Birds have fallen as they lose 5-2 to two on Wednesday night to the Detroit Tigers. Then we will continue taking a look at all the Orioles draft picks. We're going to fast forward a little bit to round number 20, the Orioles' final pick of the draft when they took outfielder Trendon Craig out of JUCO, Lewisburg College, down in North Carolina. He's one of the Orioles' more interesting draft picks, and the O's had to spend a little bit of money to get him to Baltimore, but I'm going to talk with his head coach from Lewisburg, Blake Herring, uh, who is going to join us to talk about Trendon's offensive ability, defense as well, and uh, what kind of player the Orioles are getting. And hey, you know who else went to Lewisburg College for a couple of years? Cedric Mullins as well. So uh, hopefully the Orioles have gotten their next Cedric in the outfield. Then we will uh, get you ready for today's matinee game, the final game between the Orioles and the Tigers here in this series, and a little bit of O's news and notes as well. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by another show here on the network that is Locked On MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully, every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past. Featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the Locked On MLB Network's team of local experts, including myself. Subscribe to Locked On MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So today we start with another Orioles loss as the O's fall 5-2 to the Detroit Tigers at Camden Yards on Wednesday night, losing the first two of a three-game series to Detroit, and the O's have now lost seven games in a row. The loss drops the Orioles to 38-74 and on the season. I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles loss, and the first thing you need to know is that Matt Harvey wasn't as good as he's been so far in the second half, but we'll still take the start that he gave the Orioles. Harvey on the day goes five innings, allowing three runs on eight hits. He struck out five, he walked three, and he allowed home run number 499 in the career of Miguel Cabrera. It was a solo shot. He threw 82 pitches and his ERA now at 6.10. And now it was a struggle for Matt Harvey, but he actually threw the first four innings scoreless in this game. Then he proceeded to give up three runs in the fifth, and then his day was over. But he was in a jam pretty much every single inning. Uh, three out of the first four innings, he got himself into a pretty big jam and then got himself out of a pretty big jam in each of those innings. In the first inning, he had a couple on. In the third inning, he had the bases loaded. A couple more base runners in the fourth inning as well. But Harvey was able to pitch around it using some strikeouts with the five. And, you know, it was a pretty good day. And Really, all that happened was he, he got the first out of the fifth with a strikeout, and, and then he hung a, a 1-2 breaking ball to one of the best hitters in baseball history, Miguel Cabrera, who hit it out to left center field uh, that made it a one nothing game for his 499th career homer. And then, uh, you know, he just let a couple of base runners on, and uh, really it was, you know, the big hit on the day was just a, a grounder down the line uh, from Nico Goodrum that just got past Mancini. It scored two runs. And uh, that kind of broke the game open at that point in the fifth inning, just a little bit to make it 3 nothing. But it still felt like Harvey pitched okay. And again, it wasn't another scoreless start, but he gave him four scoreless innings. And he had a chance to get out of that fifth, you know, maybe with it just being a one nothing game. And this start would have looked 
really a whole lot differently for Matt Harvey. Now, he got seven whiffs on 82 pitches, and they were kind of spread out, three on the fastball, a couple on the curve, one on the slider, one on the changeup. And really, his his best pitch on the day was that, that sinker that he throws, which is interesting because with the success he's been having in the second half, we've been talking about how he's been throwing a lot more off-speed pitches. And now that did happen on the day. 21 four-seamers, 19 changeups, 17 sinkers, 16 curveballs, and nine sliders. It's a pretty good mix from Harvey. But I think the reason why, you know, it took him, you know, so many pitches and getting out of so many jams just to throw four scoreless innings is that, you know, the breaking pitches weren't working as well as they have been. But he has really changed himself. I mean, again, he's still throwing, you know, a fastball that's getting up there, you know, above 95, maybe touching 96. But, you know, and he got a couple strikeouts with that pitch, but he's throwing the curveball and the slider and the changeup a whole lot more. And he's mixing pitches so, so well that, uh, you know, he's becoming a different pitcher. And it's throwing guys off. And, you know, he is not the Matt Harvey that would pound you with 96, 97, you know, with the Mets and then maybe drop a hammer or go with the changeup. He is throwing, you know, a lot of first pitch breaking balls and, you know, mixing in the four seamer and the sinker when he can. But it's a different pitcher. It's 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 pretty interesting to watch. And again, you know, he had a chance to get out of maybe five innings, one run ball. Um, and he threw four scoreless while letting a lot of base runners on. And, and I think the other positive you can take out of the start is that, you know, you think back to Matt Harvey's really bad, you know, 10 start stretch for a couple months there is, you know, he would let base runners on like that. And then innings would just blow up on him. There'd be four run, five run, six run innings. Instead, he had three out of those first four innings where he had multiple base runners on. He put up zeros every single time. He knows what pitches he can go to in those tough spots now, and he trusts those off-speed pitches in the tough spots. And you'll take that from Harvey. Obviously, you'd maybe like him to get a little deeper into the game, but we will take this start from Matt Harvey. I consider it another solid one for him here in the second half of the season. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' loss, there is not a hitter in this lineup hotter than Anthony Santander right now. And that includes Cedric Mullins, who just continues to hit all year. Santander with just another heck of a game. Three for four for Santander at the plate in the Wednesday night game. All three hits were hard hit balls. He hit a two-run homer in the eighth inning. It was another one onto Utah Street. Make it back-to-back nights with a homer onto Utah Street for Santander as it was a two-run shot that was the Orioles' only runs in their 5-2 to two loss. Uh, he also had a couple of singles on the night as well. Average up to 253, OPS up to 736 now on the season for Santander, who has just been raking in the month of August. He is now 15 for 32 in August. That's just shy of a 500 average with two doubles, four homers, and six runs scored in now nine games in the month of August. He is scorching, and we are finally, finally seeing the Anthony Santander that we saw in 2020 before the injury when he was named Most Valuable Oriole. This would be huge for the O's down the stretch here in the last two months of the season if he could stay hot like this. One, to just help this this lineup get some more production. And two, you know, this could really recover some Santander trade value. And I don't know if the Orioles are planning on trading him or not, but it seems like he's been in those talks, you know, for the last two years now. And if he can finish the season like this, well, then the Orioles can start to have those conversations again, whether they're going to trade him or not. You know, that's up to Mike Elias and his staff, but, you know, it kind of helps everybody out. And you just love to see him finally putting it back together here this season. Third thing you need to know from the Orioles' loss is that, you know, the bullpen was not horrendous, finally. And they did give up a couple of runs, but the Orioles broke the streak of giving up nine or more runs 
in six consecutive games. Of course, Matt Harvey gave up the three runs in five innings. Dustin Knight came in. He gave up two runs in two innings. But you had Cesar Valdez with a scoreless eighth, striking out a batter. He did give up a hit. And then Dylan Tate with a 1-2-3 ninth with a couple of strikeouts, a couple of guys that have been struggling a little bit. Nice to see those two get scoreless innings. And it was nice to see those two kind of keep the Orioles in the game. You know, gave Santander a chance in the eighth. The Orioles actually brought the tying run to the plate in the ninth. You know, they had Austin Hayes with two on and two out, but he grounded out to end the game. And it was at least refreshing that even though the Orioles were trailing the whole game and the bullpen never had to hold any leads, at least they held the score somewhat where it was and kept the Orioles in it. Fourth thing you need to know from the game is that the Cedric Mullins hit streak just keeps on chugging along. Again, just a one for four with a single. He also drew a walk in the ninth inning, so he's on base twice in the game. But he has extended his hitting streak to 18 games now. That is the longest current streak in Major League Baseball, and he just keeps doing it. And again, you know, it's not as many you know, two, three hit games all the time, but you can pencil him in for a hit every time he goes up there, and you know, you get a night where he gets a hit and a walk, you'll take that. Cedric Mullins on base twice, and he did it again on Wednesday night. And the fifth thing you need to know from the Orioles' 5-2 to two loss to the Tigers on Wednesday night is that Ramon Arias is definitely dealing with something injury-wise right now. As He did get the start after he had missed a couple of games sprinkled in over the last week. He goes 0-3 with a strikeout, and then he leaves the game again with what the Orioles called the same upper leg and groin soreness that kept him out of a couple of games recently. We know how red-hot you know, Urias had been at the plate for a while there in July, but, you know, the offensive numbers have also just slowed down a, a touch while he's been kind of dealing with this injury. He, you know, is 0 for 6 combined over the last two nights against the Tigers, and, you know, those were his first two games since August 6th as he had missed the final couple of games of the Tampa Bay series. And, you know, this seems like the fact that he started the game, played most of it, then came out, Michael Franco replaced him at third base late in the game. It does seem like we might see Arias go on the injured list here. You know, he's he's missed already, you know, three games here, and he's coming out of games again. And, you know, the Orioles may want to be safe with this. And if they do, if they do, this does open things up potentially for Jemai Jones to the big leagues to play second base, where Arias plays, you have Mateo and Martin, who can both play shortstop. You have Michael Franco, who can play third base. And you need somebody who can play some second for you. Now, I do know that it feels like with the Orioles' pattern, they would probably call up Kelvin Gutierrez instead. But if Arias does need to go on the IL, no more perfect replacement than Jemai Jones. But the Orioles do lose again 5-2. to two. They have now lost seven games in a row, which is why, you know, we like to turn our focus to the minor leagues and turn our focus to the 2021 draft from the Orioles because they had a pretty good one. And we continue to break down every single player they picked up in the draft. And today we're going to go to the end of the draft, actually the Orioles' final pick in the 2021 draft, the 20th round selection, the outfielder out of Juco Lewisburg College, that is Trendon Craig, who had a phenomenal Juco season this year in 41 games, hitting 420 with a 546 on base, 14 home runs, 28 stolen bases. He is uh, has a lot of tools at the plate, and the Orioles had to overpay a little bit to get him to Baltimore because he was committed 
to transfer to D1 NC State, one of the best programs in the country. But the Orioles get him uh, in his young FCL career so far is one for four at the plate with a single. But we want to know more about Trendon Craig, the player, and his time at Lewisburg College. So Blake Herring is going to join us. He is the head coach of Lewisburg College Baseball. He joins us to talk about Trendon Craig, uh, how good he is at the plate in the field, on the base paths, what kind of person he is, and what he can bring to the Orioles. So again, that's all coming up with Blake Herring, the head coach of Lewisburg College Baseball. We're talking Orioles 20th round pick, Trendon Craig, after this break. So we'll get to our chat about another Orioles draft pick in just a second. But first, got to tell you about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And the best part about it, RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low for every customer. And they really, really have everything you can need. Anything you can think of you would need for your car or truck, they've got it. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, and much, much more. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Wild Alaskan Company. Are you one of those people who just really loves ordering fish when you go out to eat but never make it for yourself at home? Cooking restaurant-quality dishes at home starts with high-quality seafood and simple techniques from Wild Alaskan Seafood. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably-sourced wild-caught seafood right to your door. You can choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination, and every month there are different specials to explore. And each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and super easy to cook. And you can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. And right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. One more time, that's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. All right, so today we are joined by Blake Herring. He is the head baseball coach at Lewisburg College, where he coached Orioles 20th round draft pick Trendon Craig, and he is here to tell us all about one of the O's new outfielders. Uh, but first, Blake, thank you so much for taking some time today to join the podcast. Connor, thank you for asking me. I look forward to it. And so we have you on to talk Trendon Craig, who uh, the Orioles snatched up with their final pick in this year's draft in the 20th round. And, uh, you know, it was a name that, that people had to get familiar with because, you know, he didn't play his, his two years at a huge college that was, you know, on ESPN every day. But obviously the Orioles saw the talent, and that's why they went after Trendon in the draft this year. So first I got to ask, you know, obviously he has a sensational year this year. He hits 420 uh, with 14 home runs. And and not saying he wasn't good, uh, you know, the year before. He, he had a good season in 2020, uh, of course, before the, the pandemic kind of shut your guys' season down. But did you feel like he went to maybe a, another level uh, in terms of his talent and production this season? He did. And what happened was is he put the numbers up to uh, 
I mean, he just put the numbers up. When he got back from his freshman year, when he showed up in the fall uh, this past year, it looked like he had lost five or ten pounds. When I say five or ten pounds, the body was not a bad body. He was put together, but he looked more mature. His muscles were more mature. He was still a great runner. His arm strength got a little bit better, and I think he felt confident in that in the fact that he worked his butt off that summer leading into that sophomore year. Yeah, he's basically got, I mean, you look at the stats, everything you want, 14 homers. I mean, he's got more walks than strikeouts. You know, he's, he's got an on-base over 500. He's, he's hitting over 400. I mean, it almost looks like when you, when you look at the stats, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, he reached base more than half the time. Like, how hard did it look for opposing pitcher just to get him out this season? Look, he was in our leadoff. Usually, uh, we kind of took the old, old school high school deal where we're going to put our best hitter in the leadoff role and give him the most at-bats each game and the most at-bats throughout the course of the season for that reason. And the good thing about it was is our seven, eight, nine hole hitters were always on base when he come up. So he had the chance to, in that leadoff position, to hit with runners on, which was a good thing. Yeah, 55 RBIs from the leadoff spot means uh, yeah. obviously, you know, the guys at the bottom of your lineup are doing their job as well, but also um, he's cashing in. I did want to ask about the walks because 32 walks um, to just 22 strikeouts in, in 41 games shows not only, you know, good plate discipline, but also just inability to to make contact as well. And, and you know, how much of that walks was, you know, teams pitching around him at times and how much is, is his true batter's eye and, and plate discipline? I won't give him all the credit. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from Trendon Craig because he did it. And he look, he's a great, he's an all-around baseball player, not just from a, a power standpoint, but he's a runner. As you as you're talking about, he walked more than he struck out and he worked for it. He was literally one of the last ones, and I know it's cliche, but he was one of the last ones to leave the clubhouse every single day. Yeah. And, and just, you know, expanding more on that, you know, you had him for for two years in your program and, and one of the best players on your team for two seasons. You know, what kind of uh, person did you get in Trenton Craig, you know, every day at the ballpark? A plus in every aspect. Uh, he's an honors program student here at Lewisburg College. He had like a 3.9 uh, GPA. I think he made one B while he was here. Come from a great fam- family. Uh, he was a good teammate. He wasn't the uh, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but he wasn't that big vocal leader on our team, but he did everything the right way every single day. Uh, and it wasn't always about baseball. He would come in and he would talk to you about anything. Uh, he would, he's a big uh, PS5 guy. He was a big, uh, he likes equipment, meaning he liked having two or three different types of bats. If this one didn't work out, he moved to the next one. So he was a well-rounded young man. And I think the scouts liked that about him also. Yeah, I did want to go back on the field a, a little bit before we kind of talk about, you know, his his recruitment and getting drafted. You know, wh- where did he play in your guys' outfield? And then just in general, uh, do you feel like he could play all three outfield positions, you know, once he gets here to the next level? So as a freshman, he played left field for us. And then as a sophomore, he moved to center field. And throughout the course of the fall, and this is at Lewisburg, I don't know about other programs, but when we enter squad, he plays left one in and center one in and right field one in and just so we can evaluate not only him but other outfielders uh, in our program also. So, yes, he can play every single position in the outfield. He's got the speed to do it. Uh, he's got the instincts to do it. And he's athletic enough to 
to come in on balls, to go over his head. I mean, he literally can do it all. And I'm assuming he's got the arm strength to play all those positions as well. He does. If, if there was one knock on Trendon Craig, he doesn't have a great arm. It's an average to adequate arm, uh, but it didn't hurt him, I don't think, in the recruiting process or the draft process. And then I did have to ask quickly, 47 out of 55 stealing bases, when he got to first, yeah. was it just green light go time for him? Every time. Uh, I, and that's what I like to do. I like to put it in the hands of our runners. Traditionally at Lewisburg, we like to run a little bit, and I think everybody knew it, but when trending got on, I give him the green light, and he did his thing. So I know, you know, he has obviously signed his Orioles contract and will be entering the minors, but he he was, you know, committed to transfer to NC State and, you know, potentially play two years of baseball there. So yeah. kind of, you know, as much as you know, what went into that process for him and kind of when did, you know, those Division One teams start, you know, looking into him and, and start calling to try and get him uh, after his two years at Lewisburg? So the first time that it all happened was this freshman year. We're at Campbell University. It's like the middle to end of September, and there's a big JUCO showcase. And we were over there. We're take, our team's taking BP, and you've got all the four-year schools. You've got all the pro scouts around. And when he got into the cage pregame, he hit a couple balls, and all of a sudden everybody perked up a little bit. And we were like, okay, we might have some. And then in the game, uh, they got this track man over at Campbell. They got it all. But – he hits a ball to center field, and then it and I don't remember what it was off the bat, but it sounded like it was a gunshot going off. And since then, he had a lot of people calling. I mean, four-year schools were trying to get him after his freshman year, and there was so much going. But it led to a sophomore year, and if you remember, none of the Division ones could come out and recruit, so it was all on video. And really, what was happening, I think, uh, deep down, was the pro scouts were helping out the Division one guys, so they were able to come out and see him. And we couldn't play outside competition, so it was all inter-squad. And all of a sudden, we started getting uh, – NC State was starting to get interest. And, of course, that was his dream school coming in was NC State. And once they showed interest, once they called him and talked to him, I think it was one night he told me in study halls, like, Coach, I'm about to commit. I said, well, good. Go ahead and do your thing. That's your dream. And, you know, did the uh, the pro aspect of it, I know you said, you know, when the D1 scouts were there, kind of the pro guys were there as well. But did that aspect of it, you know, it's it's not as clear, you know, if you're going to be drafted versus getting a scholarship offer that's, you know, more concrete. Um, but but did that start to come around the same time or was that later when, you know, the thoughts started creeping in? Hey, maybe I might get picked even before I could could get to NC State. Oh, yeah. It, every single inner squad, we had guys coming at practice. I was getting text messages every day, every week on when we were going to – when we were scrimmaging. So, we knew something was going to happen. Now, a testament to them guys, they kept it hush-hush. We were thinking seventh to twelfth round. Uh, not that we were disappointed with the 20th round, but they they don't let a whole lot out in, in when it comes to that. And so, you know, you know, you can give me as much as, as you know or, or want to share, but kind of, you know, if you do know what kind of went into the decision for Trendon because – you know, obviously it's a dream to, to play pro baseball, but, you know, you talked about NC State being the dream school and, you know, how good the Wolfpack were this year and, and you know, just adding him, make them even better next year if he would have went there. So, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, went into that decision for him, if you know, and, and how tough was that for him? So I spoke with him the week before the draft and, and the week, like literally a week before the draft, he was thinking about, Coach, I think I'm going to go to school. I don't know what was going on with uh, behind the scenes, but, he kind of had NC State on his mind. And I think a little bit of that was 
they were in the College World Series. They were on ESPN. They were, there was a lot of good uh, press with NC State. But then I think the week after, I t- uh, the money, I'm sure, got to him. He got some good money to sign. And I think that the Orioles really wanted him. He went and worked out at uh, at their park and did well. And I talked to him after the draft, and all of a sudden he's like, Coach, I'm going to sign. I'm like, all right, well, good. I thought you were going to school. But either way, I was happy for him. And then, Blake, last thing for you, you know, Orioles fans are, are obviously, you know, interested in, in getting to watch Trendon because, you know, obviously they've it's one of the more, you know, unknown names, I would say, the Orioles took just because of, you know, him not, you know, being on ESPN for those two years like you talked about. But so O's fans, I think, are more excited to see him than some other guys, you know, get into these minor league games. So if you want to give me the quick little, like, 30-second what Orioles fans should expect when Trendon Craig gets on the field in the minors. Well, he's going to look like a first-rounder on the field. In uniform, he's one of the best-looking athletes that you've ever seen. He's always going to smile. He's always in a good mood. Uh, he's going to play the game the right way. He's going to hustle on and off the field. He's going to be good, uh, a good teammate in the dugout, even if he's not playing, because uh, that's just the type of person that he is. He's a good thinker on the field. He will pick you up. He, he will communicate with each other. And you're going to get a well-rounded baseball player, and he's going to be prepared every single night to play. Well, Blake, thank you so much uh, for joining us to, to tell us about Trent and Craig. Obviously, you know, an exciting pick for the Orioles, and uh, we should see him get started in the minor leagues here in a couple of weeks, playing the outfield and uh, patrolling center field. And the hope is, obviously, that a few years from now, we can see him uh, patrolling the outfield at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. But, Blake, thanks again so much. Connor, it'd be good to see uh, two Lewisburg Hurricanes, Cedric Mullins and Trenton Craig out on the same outfield. But I appreciate you asking me on. So we're back to the Orioles talk in just a second. But first, got to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, we've got baseball season in full swing, and you can track all the action over at betonline.ag. But it's not just baseball. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including how about UFC and MMA action, and how about the NFL? That's right. We are into preseason games at this point, and uh, you can place a wager on those games or maybe some futures on the NFL season. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at betonline.ag. So go get those baseball bets in, those football bets in, or whatever it may be at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So our thanks again to Blake Herring, the head coach of Lewisburg College Baseball, for joining us on the pod to give us all the details we need on Trendon Craig and his just fantastic uh, two-year career at Lewisburg College uh, before the Orioles selected him in the 20th round and, again, did give him a little extra money um, to sign. They ended up giving him a $250,000 signing bonus. That is uh, above slot. There's not really slots for 20th rounders, but that is more money than most 20th rounders make to get him to come to Baltimore and join the Orioles because... For Trendon Craig, he was committed to NC State, as Blake talked about. You know, he really wanted to go play at NC State, uh, but that money from the Orioles 
gets him to the pros, and the O's have got to be happy with that. I mean, you know, we talked about it, but the stats were just ridiculous this year for Craig in 41 games. He hit 420 with a 546 on base, 790 slugging, 14 homers, 11 doubles, 55 RBIs, 32 walks to 22 strikeouts, 28 out of 34 stealing bases as well. He was next level and just a fantastic uh, defensive outfielder as well. This is a good pick from the Orioles, it seems like. And, you know, he, you know, looking at, at all things, college baseball wise and follow college baseball pretty closely it looks like there was a pretty good chance he was going to be a starting outfielder for NC State in 2022 had he gone to Raleigh and not gone pro and you remember NC State they were a semi-finalist in the College World Series this year had a COVID outbreak not taken them out of the College World Series they had a chance to be national champions this year so he was going to maybe be a starting outfielder on a really good NC State team instead the Orioles get him in the 20th round and uh, he has started his pro career he's played in three games uh, in the FCL with the Orioles so far uh, he is currently one for four at the dish with a single he had on August 7th um, also has scored a run and struck out once again uh, was one of the later additions among the position players to the FCL but uh, he'll start to get more playing time when the guys like Colton Kowser, Connor Norby, and others start to get moved up to Delmarva as they really start to, uh, or really have been dominating the FCL level. And uh, Mike Elias did say uh, on Tuesday night's Masson broadcast that they're very close to moving up Colton Kowser uh, to Loe Delmarva because he is just tearing it up. Uh, he's hitting like 700 in the FCL. So uh, when he moves up, I'm sure Trendon Craig will start to get some more at-bats, and uh, it'll definitely be... Uh, Fun to see him in the outfield. And, and kind of the last thing on him, you know, Lewisburg College, as uh, Coach Herring mentioned there at the end of our interview, that is also where Cedric Mullins played in junior college before he transferred to Division One Campbell and then was selected by the Orioles in the 13th round. And now uh, Cedric Mullins is kind of a uh, outsider MVP candidate in the American League here in 2021. We know how great he has been and uh, just makes you think a little bit about, hey, you know, Trenton Craig, Lewisburg College, also an outfielder, um, also a little bit smaller and maybe overlooked, but uh, this could be a big time pickup for the Orioles. Again, right-handed batter, about six one, 195, but he's got some pop too and uh, excited to get him to start moving up through the system. Before we do go here on this episode, just a couple more uh, Orioles news and notes here from the day. Um, of course, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, Tanner Scott was activated off the injured list uh, on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, he will rejoin the Orioles bullpen. Alexander Wells was sent back down to AAA. He was called up basically as an emergency bullpen arm for the last couple of days, uh, did pitch the ninth inning of Tuesday's loss to the Tigers and uh, allowed one run in that outing. Uh, but I'd love to see Wells just kind of maybe settle back into the Norfolk rotation uh, for a while here as the Orioles uh, are most likely set to get Bruce Zimmerman back uh, for his next time through the rotation. Now, he started for Norfolk on Tuesday night through the five hitless innings, which means you know you give him the four off days uh, that he would be ready to go potentially on Sunday for the Orioles, would at least line him up um, to be ready to start again. That would obviously be the earliest that he would be ready to come back off the injured list and start. Uh, the Orioles have not named any starters for this weekend series against the Red Sox, so it could be Sunday. Uh, if not, the Orioles do play Monday in Tampa. That's 
that's another definite possibility for Bruce Zimmerman to come back, and they definitely need him back in the rotation. And then uh, things are going well for Tyler Wells right now as he, you know, had a little bit of a setback with that forearm injury, but the expectation is that actually later today, uh, Tyler Wells should be activated from the injured list. Uh, you would think probably your move is is most likely a guy like Isaac Matson uh, being sent back to AAA Norfolk if that is indeed the move and Wells is activated. But you know, getting Tanner Scott and Tyler Wells back, uh, the Orioles need those two guys back in their bullpen. Even with Scott's struggles before the IL, uh, the bullpen is in a, in a bad spot right now, and they definitely need those two guys back in it. And the rotation obviously would love Bruce Zimmerman. As well, But in terms of Orioles baseball today, a little matinee game to finish out this series of 4.05 p.m. Eastern time. Start today uh, if you are listening before the game. Uh, it is Matt Manning who is going for the Tigers. The rookie 23-year-old right-hander will make his 10th appearance of the season. He has a 6.33 ERA, just 23 strikeouts in 42 and two-thirds innings on the year. Not by any means a strikeout pitcher uh, for Manning. His last outing came in Cleveland uh, last week, and it was pretty ugly. Four innings, six runs on 10 hits, three Ks, and no walks. But that was coming off what was a pretty good start for him against the Orioles back on July 31st in Detroit. He went five and two-thirds innings against the O's in that one, allowed two runs on seven hits, three Ks, and two walks. But uh, for Manning, you know, he's kind of part of this Detroit you know, three-headed monster and, you know, of Manning, Mize, and Scooble, the three pitchers that the Orioles have seen in this three-game series. While Scooble and Mize have had pretty good success, Manning, it's been it's been a little rough to start his pro career. Uh, but again, you know, only his 10th appearance uh, in the major league. So we'll see what he can do. But but he's going to have a tough time out-dueling his uh, opposing starting pitcher because he's going up against the Oriole ace. John Means is starting once again. It'll be his 17th start of the year. He's got a 2.79 ERA on the season means his last time out against Tampa, five innings, one run, eight hits, five Ks, and a walk. Really labored through all those five innings, almost hit 100 pitches through five, but got out of a couple of jams to make it a solid start. And of course, two starts ago in Detroit in that same July 31st game uh, was his best start since coming off the injured list. He went six innings, allowing a run on four hits, six Ks, and one walk against the Tigers. Uh, hopefully he can repeat that in today's afternoon action. Uh, and then in terms of the podcast, we will uh, let you know what's coming up on the pod tomorrow. But first, got to tell you about another podcast here on the network. That is Locked on Bets. And betting on Major League Baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your pods. So we are back with you tomorrow. One more episode here this week with a Friday pod to uh, recap the final game of the three-game set between the Orioles and the Tigers. We will look ahead and preview the weekend series as the Orioles uh, finally play the Red Sox again. They're going to Fenway Park for three games this weekend. And, uh, of course, on Saturday, who will they see? Chris Sale will make his 2021 debut uh, in the Saturday game against the Orioles. We'll talk about all that on tomorrow's episode and we will continue looking at this Orioles draft class and continue to break down every single guy that they added to the organization but that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode until then I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day